The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. If you would, open your Bibles this evening to the book of Matthew, chapter number 22. Several years ago, I was made aware to a a wonderful thought that I would like to launch from tonight. So if you could, for the sake of imagination and laying a foundation, here's what I'd like for you to do. For, For just a moment, imagine you're in the kitchen, you've just gotten out of bed, Most of you will probably run to the coffee maker like my wife. My wife is a true coffee snob, which means Starbucks is horrible. And uh, coffee snobs don't like Starbucks. And so every morning she gets out of bed, she grinds her coffee, she weighs it, she brings the kettle to a perfect temperature, she does the pour over, she is a coffee snob, okay? But let's say this morning uh, you're not in the mood for coffee, you're in the mood for some tea, So you go to the cabinet and you grab a raspberry tea bag and you turn on the kettle on the stove and let's say for the sake of illustration, it is sitting on the left front burner of the stove. The water begins to boil. You put the tea bag in there. You begin to let it steep for just a little bit. And then all of a sudden, you decide you don't want raspberry tea. You're not feeling raspberry tea anymore. You're feeling something different. You want a little change from the normal, and so what you do is this. You take the kettle off the front left burner, and you move it to the back left burner, and you turn it on high. You wait for a couple of moments. It begins to boil, and uh, what, what are we going to have inside the kettle at that point as it begins to boil? We're going to have raspberry tea, but, but, but we don't want raspberry tea. We want something different. So we take the, the, the kettle off the, uh, the back left burner and we move it to the right back burner and we turn the heat up once again and then it begins to boil and we pour a little bit into a cup, we sip it and it's still raspberry tea. But I don't want raspberry tea. I've changed my mind. I have the right to do that. And so I take the kettle off the back right burner and I move it to the front right burner. And can you help me? After the temperature gets hot again and it begins to boil, what do I have in the teapot? Raspberry tea. I find it interesting when we don't get the results we want, instead of looking inwardly, we change burners. Instead of contemplating what might be happening inwardly, we change the scenario. Instead of pausing and asking ourselves, is the reason the flavor we're not enjoying um, is because of what's inside, we, we instead move to another marriage or move to another job or move to another relationship or move to another college or move to another place of employment, or move friendships. The truth be known, the Bible gives us information, clear information from the Word of God to what is actually happening is not always the scenario that is surrounding us, but oftentimes it's what's within us. 
When Jesus Christ began his earthly ministry on this planet, he didn't necessarily go to the masses. He began ministering to the religious crowd. He began to inform them of what was happening inwardly and the effects of that outwardly. And I want us to take some time to maybe examine what's in the teapot for just a moment and ask ourselves, is there something great and grand that God is teaching and doing in our lives? Look at the Bible with me at Matthew chapter number 22. We're going to begin reading in verse number 37, and then we're going to hop around to some other passages. Here we go, Matthew chapter 22. The Bible says this, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the great commandment, and the second is likened to it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, and on watch on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. What an amazing passage of Scripture is. Jesus Christ himself is, the Bible says, being tempted by um, a very prominent individual in the community. And, and this man's desire was to trick Jesus, but in essence, God's going to reveal a beautiful truth. And, and the Word of God says at this moment, Jesus says, these, these are the greatest commandments. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, and here's what he says, with all your heart. You understand that when he references the word heart, he's not referencing a blood-pumping muscle. I heard a comedian say one time as he was referencing the heart uh, and trying to get us to understand what God was saying, he, he's not talking about this muscle that is pumping blood through our body, but literally the center of who we are. This is going to happen probably to a young man this semester, that girl that he's been watching in the commons, that one girl that has caught his eye coming out of that classroom, he's going to finally get the nerve to talk to her. And hopefully he won't do it the way I did when I approached my wife my freshman year. I lied to her. I told her my name was somebody totally different and that we had already met one time and she knew that I was out of my mind. Don't do that. But you're going to walk up to her, guys, and something's going to happen right here. This, this, this knot is going to be created right here in the stomach area. And you're going to have trouble breathing as you talk to her. And sweat's going to begin popping. On, on, you'll have hair, but um, if it weren't there, you'd see it as it bubbles on the top. And all of a sudden, you're going to have these emotions, or, or maybe, maybe you're going to find out um, something unfortunate has happened and, uh, back home, and something's going to hurt right here. It's because this is the center of who we are. This is where the emotions are driven from. And the Bible says that we are to love Jesus Christ with all of our heart. Matter of fact, the Word of God oftentimes references this as our bowels. Can you imagine looking at your girlfriend and saying, baby, you move me. I love you with both of my kidneys. Guys, that, 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 ladies, that would not be romantic, and I'm sure that would kind of uh, mess the moment up, but that, that's what the Bible's talking about. The center of our emotions, our heart, and the bowels, all th that inner working of who we are. Here's what the Bible says. The center of who you are, 
Love God with all of your, with all your soul, and with all your might. There, there's a lot of emphasis put on this. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us this. The foundation of Christ's ministry was built around this thinking. The Sermon on the Mount mentioned in Matthew chapter 5 through 7 as well as Luke chapter 6. Jesus' earthly ministry as he began to minister to the religious crowd, he emphasizes the heart. He emphasizes that this is who we really are when everything else seems to disappear. Uh, He mentions this in Matthew chapter 6 in verse number 19. Uh, The Bible says, lay not up. That phrase means this, to pull out, to set apart as important. Lay not up, the Bible says, for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves, listen, treasures, things that are important, set aside treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. Ready? Re- remember this passage. For where your treasure is, there will your, your heart be also. The Bible says this in Luke chapter 6 and verse 45. A good man out of the treasure, or the, out of the good treasure, meaning that, that which he deems important. When you see this word treasure and and, and the text referencing this idea, we have to make the same connection that the Savior does and recognizing that this is what we feel is important. A good man out of the treasure, the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance, the surplus of the heart, the mouth speaketh. The Word of God is clear. The heart is the center of who we are. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 13, this is the parable of the field and the pearl. The Bible says, again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in the field, that which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth the field. This is very important. Can you imagine this man walking home from work one day? He's maybe just kicking the ground a little bit, kicking stones as he's walking home. His head's probably dropped. He's just tired. When all of a sudden his foot kicks something that sparkles, it catches the sun as it's setting off in the west. And he reaches down out of curiosity and he, and he scoops it up. And then he looks around some more and he kicks some more dirt and he realizes there, there's more sparkling in it. And he picks that up, and he, and he goes over here, and he sees something else, and he, and he picks that up. The Bible says at that moment, please watch. The Bible says at that moment, he goes home, and he sells, listen, everything he has, because something has now replaced um, his thinking and his value system. And he picks up this treasure and he hides it for just a moment and he sells everything that he has and he takes the money and he buys the field. Uh, the Bible goes on to say this in, in the next verse. And again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price and went and sold all that he had and bought it. This man is in the jewelry business. 
He has found a pearl that is more valuable than all the other pearls that he has. And he, and he sells everything that he has and he goes and purchases the pearl. Listen, the Bible says the kingdom of heaven, God, who God is, everything about God is greater than any treasure that we have on this earth. And it's unfortunate that the center of who we are has not recognized how big and awesome our God is. So that we're willing to sell everything we have for that greater love. The Bible says this, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. What does that mean? I want us to take some time tonight to understand what our Lord is teaching in this passage. First of all, understanding the heart. Based upon the passages that we just heard, um, I want to kind of break down a couple of thoughts that I think will be interesting concerning the heart. Number one, understanding the heart. What is in the heart will only produce what's already there. What's in the heart will only reproduce what's already there. Uh, Just as we illustrated with the, the teapot, what is inside... Um, is what's going to come out. Matter of fact, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the, the heart, the mouth speaketh. The Bible says the heart is desperately wicked above all who can know it. And out of this heart, there's an abundance of um, self that seems to permeate every part of our life. Why? Because out of the heart, what the treasure of the heart is, is what's going to come out. Um, This just happened today, and I am so overly grateful. I am a a Mustang fanatic. My greatest love is my family. Outside of God, I love my family. Secondly, I love my church. Thirdly, I love Mustangs. When I say that, it, it just, it, it, it's one of those things that makes me smile from ear to ear. And an amazing student on campus today um, has been so kind to come to me and say, hey, Pastor McCormick, here's the keys. Now, now, here's where it gets awesome. Because our president is also one who enjoys Mustangs. Because he hands me the keys to a Ford Shelby GT350, guys. There's just something amazing about that. That is just off the charts for a guy like me. Why? Because I love Mustangs. It just permeates my conversation. When we talk cars, we're going to talk Mustangs if you're talking to me. Why? Why? Because out of the abundance of the, the heart, the mouth speaketh. Young person, you have to recognize tonight that there is so much going on in this life that oozes out of who we are. Why? Because what is in the heart will only reproduce what's already there. Number two, the heart responds as a result of how much is there. Our heart responds as a result of how much is there. I find it interesting when you bump a table, that glass full of water spills water. If it's not full of water, obviously, when it's bumped, it doesn't pour out on the table. All of us go, thinking that it might, but it seems to stay contained. Young person, please recognize, college student, understand, mom and dad, what's in here 
is going to naturally flow out. Thirdly, the heart will always reveal itself. The heart will always reveal itself. You may think you're hiding what's inside, but that is not true. We see it. We recognize it. We understand it. Why? Because the heart will always reveal itself. When the heat of life begins to make you boil in whatever way that it is, what is going on inside will always come out. And these are truths that the Bible says we must understand about the heart. Then secondly tonight, open your Bibles to Luke chapter number 14 with me if you would. Luke chapter number 14 and verse number 25. Let's take a moment to understand what God is wanting us to see concerning love. Because we're discussing two things tonight, the heart, and secondly, we're discussing love. Love God with all your heart. Luke chapter 14, and let's look together at verse number 25. Luke chapter 14 and verse number 25, and there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, and I want you to hear this, look at verse 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life also. He cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I want us to take a moment from this passage and understand what our God is saying because it sounds a little confusing. So so, so God wants me to hate this woman. Matter of fact, those two precious souls sitting to her left, God wants me to hate my children. But we've got to understand what our Lord is saying in the text. If If you wrap your mind around the word hate here, it comes from a Hebrew and later Greek foundation that simply means this. The word hate just simply means lesser. When this word was used in that culture, people would understand that. The word simply means lesser. And here's the truth about understanding love. And and, and all of its simplicity, without going to Google and without trying to find out what Webster's has to say, in the simplicity of understanding love, it just simply means this. To love means there has to be something lesser. To love, to truly love something means that there has to be something lesser. And when Jesus Christ was speaking to the multitudes, can you imagine? Because here's what's going to happen. He is thronged with people who were there for their own selfish gain. But shortly, that number is going to be whittled down to a very small crowd of about 120 And what's going to happen is they're going to understand that I love Jesus supremely above all. Therefore, everything else in my life is is lesser. And when Jesus turned to the crowd who was following him, here's what he says. The Bible says that if any man come after me, if you're going to follow me, then everything else compared to your love to me is going to seem as hate. But what he's saying is it's simply going to be lesser. He made a similar statement in Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 37. He that loveth father or mother more than me, ready? Think about this, is not worthy of me. 
And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. We see this in the Old Testament as well in an example of Isaac. The Bible says that Isaac loved Jacob and he what? Hated Esau. Really? When we read that in our context, it seems kind of shocking that a father would love one son and hate. When we think about the word hate, I mean, it it comes down from inside, doesn't it? I just, ah, I hate it. But but, but again, that's not the word that, that we're understanding today. The word's this, Isaac loved Jacob. Esau was lesser to him. Matter of fact, we see this kind of, again, permeating this family line in Jacob, Rebekah, and Leah. The Bible says that Jacob loved Rebekah. Leah was lesser. You cannot love God and mammon, the Bible says. Matter of fact, you will cleave to one and the other one will be lesser. That is what the Bible is is helping us to understand concerning this idea of love. And when we understand love tonight, when God says, love me with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, it simply means this, what is lesser? What is lesser? To make it real, I love you. I do. I do love this student body. I love this campus. I love this ministry. Lesser than I love these three sitting here. It's just the way it is. I have no apology. Would you have a problem today if I loved another lady that wasn't redheaded with blue eyes at 5'11", lesser than I love this one. And so my, my question is the same for you today. When we say we love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and with all of our might, here is just simply what we're saying. God Compared to you, everything else is going to be lesser. And that has to happen here. And can I say this with love as a pastor? We're living in a culture where we say we love God, but our actions say that he is lesser. Because everything else has priority. Everything else is more important. Everything else grabs our time. Everything else grabs our direction. Everything else has our attention. And and God, he gets put on another burner. But the truth be known, college student, if you are going to be anything for God and see him do magnificent things for you, it's not that you have to necessarily change this or that or change moment from moment or relationship to relationship. If you want to see God do something great, then you take out the tea bag of yourself and replace it with a love for him that is greater than anything else. That one decision. God, I love you with all my heart, 
with all my soul, with all my might. Understanding love. To love God means that everything else is lesser. Are you ready? Moms and dads that are here today, I hope that you have more than anything else desired for this to be in your children's lives. But if you're going to love God with all your heart today, college student, your family must be lesser. And I'm okay with that, Ren. And Reagan, I'm okay with that. I want to be lesser. Relationships have to be lesser. That means I'm no longer dictated by what somebody else thinks. I'm dictated by what God thinks. And my career... Oh, my career, this got me all in a panic, and, 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 and I, I don't even know if when I graduate, I'm going to be able to even do what I'm studying to do. All of that's got to be lesser. If I'm going to love God with all my heart and with all my soul, with all my might, my hobbies are lesser, money is lesser, priorities are lesser, that's all that it means. God, you have my everything. So let's take a moment from the Word of God and understand how quickly to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our might. Number one, this means to abandon every other love. This is what God was asking of His disciples. Abandon every other love. Make me supreme in your life. Let no other love have control of you. Abandon it. Hey, college student, right now, would you think of those things in your mind that control what comes out of you? Abandon it. To love God means to abandon every other love. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 24 says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with affections and lust. Why? Because Christ is my greatest love. And therefore, I'm going to abandon and crucify any other thing that would rob my attention of that. Hey, Eve, let me ask you a question. Was it worth it? Was that bite worth it? Was that moment, Adam, worth it? Even when you chose to fall to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life and you bit out of that apple and you let it be the determining factor for your life, was it worth it, Adam, When you chose not to protect your wife, was it worth it? See, loving God is simply this. God, I'm I'm going to abandon every other love. Matter of fact, anything that has your love has now become an idol. Abandon any other love. Secondly, the Bible says this. How to love God with all our heart is to make every other love subordinate to the greatest love. Matter of fact, the Word of God puts it this way in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 through 6. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. What a powerful passage of Scripture. Simply what the text is saying is this. When God is in control of my heart and my love, everything in my life becomes subordinate to that love. Robin is the greatest love of my life. 
And so it is no joke. If you ask me tonight, can we hang out after church? I'm going to go say, honey, what do you think? It's not that we love to joke about it in marriage, that she is in charge. It, 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 that's really not it. I don't have to go to the boss and get permission. But the reason I go to her is because every other love is subordinate to that one. And I think that's right. Herein is love. Not that we love God. Watch. But he loved us. Are you ready? Every other love became subordinate to the love of Christ when he was willing to go to a cross and die for our sins. It's not that I dictated what he was going to do, but he loved me so much that everything else became secondary to that. Hallelujah to God. And rightfully so, the book here says in 1 John chapter 2, and hereby we do know. How do we know that he is the love of our life? It's because everything else is subordinate to that. How novel would it be for the child of God to say, hold a minute, wait a minute, before I make that decision, let me go to God. Before I make that choice, let me see what God's word says about it. It shouldn't be novel to the child of the king. Why? Because he's our greatest love. And every other love becomes subordinate to that. The Word of God says, if I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my heart, my soul, and my might, number one, I'm going to abandon every other love. Secondly, I'm going to make every other love subordinate to the greatest love. And then thirdly, it means all my expectations, are you ready, are in one love. All my expectations are in one love. We're living in a culture where we're finding all of our expectations in so many other things. All of your expectations should be in one love. How could Paul say at his death, for me to live is is Christ, and to die is gain. The reason Paul could say that is because all of his expectations were in one. For the audience of one. Can you say tonight, you know what, I find all my joy, I find all my expectations, I find all my hope in Christ. This whole college thing is a confusing time, isn't it? What should I major in? When should I take my classes? Who should my friends be? Who can I trust? I can't believe I'm leaving what's going on back home and coming to a place like this. Well, to be honest with you, your expectations for your happiness and joy can't be in those single decisions. It has to be in what God is doing in your life and where he's brought you. Matter of fact, can I say this? Your expectations can't be in the college. If in the college you're going to find your joy, you're going to miss the mark. Your expectations cannot be, although I believe some of the best faculty in the world and on this stage, my heroes that I look to, I can't have my expectations in them. 
I've got to find my expectation in Christ. And who he is and what he's done. He's the one that blesses. He's the one that gives hope. He's the one that gives strength. The Bible says this. Look in your Bibles quickly with me in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 19. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 19 through 23. Because of the gospel, because of Christ, because of what he's done, he is better. That's the emphasis of the text. He is better. Look at verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. Why? Why? By the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say his flesh, because he came willingly and died, and his body was broken for us. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Ready? Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Why? For he is faithful who hath promised. I pray that this semester what is going to happen is that God is going to get you to the place where every other love becomes subordinate to him. That God's going to get you to the place where you'll abandon every other thing screaming for your attention. And that in him, all of your expectations will be found. Because out of the heart comes who we are. And the Bible says to keep our heart with all diligence. Because out of it are the issues of life. And so the suggestion from the word of God is to love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Love and your heart, the center of who you are, being focused on him. So tonight, it's not about changing situations and scenarios unless God changes your heart. I think we need to pop off the top of that kettle, pour out what's in the pot. Fill it back up with the pureness of who God is and allow him to be what fills us. What's in the pot? What needs to be changed? What are you loving? What has control? God, here's my heart. Here's my life. I want you to be my everything. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.